stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Fernando Alonso makes his greatest career decision yet. To head to IndyCar. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Just as a disclaimer, uh, in case anything happens after this, just let it be known, Fernando Alonso did not confirm he was going to IndyCar. No, 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 you know, I've got one to hedge your bets here. Fernando Alonso makes his greatest career decision yet. He goes to NASCAR. Welcome back to <laughs> Motorsport 101. <laughs> All right, take two. Fernando Alonso makes his greatest career decision yet. He's going to Super GT. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Fernando Alonso makes his greatest career decision yet. He's going to Los Angeles to play for the Lakers. Lewis, we're going to put all of those in. Um, <laughs> Fernando Alonso makes his greatest career decision yet. He brings in a Twitter bot to delete all his old tweets. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Oh, God. Oh, my God. You are the world champion! And on the 16th attempt, we started a podcast. Welcome to episode 155 of Motorsport 101. This I'm is back. 155. Yes, this is oh, 155. Oh, shit. Yes. <laughs> I am rusty, everybody. You see what a holiday does for a guy? <laughs> episode 155 of Motorsport 101. I am your returning friendly neighbor, those Mr. Andre Harrison. Sadly, without a tan, but that's Bruno for you. With me as always, celebrating his 25th birthday, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Hey, happy birthday! Yeah. So great, so great, guys. Oh my god. Just like, you... mm. <laughs> just I'm just just in a, like just a cold sweat for most of my birthday. Like Alonzo's leaving, right? He's he's not gonna choose to stay, right? <laughs> Like, like, King was too busy furiously refreshing Faux Will Power's Twitter account, finding out what the Alonzo to IndyCar watch meter was looking like for several weeks. And uh, it's now reached critical mass. Like, the, the bar is, like, off the scale here at this point. It's going to explode like a mercury thermometer. Um, it, it's great. But, uh, yes, the baby of the show is 25 today. Yet, yet he's also our also ample historian. It's amazing how that turns out. <laughs> In the... Yeah. Uh, and in the other corner of the show, Mr. RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Hello, yes. The the actual oldest person of the show, yet the one who acts the most like a rickled, rambunctious child who's had way too many Mountain Dews for 7, in the uh, seven o'clock in the evening. And you know they're going to stay up late. And you know they're not going to go to bed, even though it's a school night tomorrow. But they're not going to care, because this kid's just going to stay up all night and watch adults swim to 1 a.m. It's like someone's got to watch all those reruns of Family Guy and and, and, and Samurai Jack, right? Uh, how <laughs> dare you? <laughs> like a like a child of my refined taste. Okay, actually, sidebar, but yeah, yeah, I was I was probably guilty of that when I was about thirteen or fourteen years old. Who wasn't? But, but but that was a but that was you know that was a different time in my life. I think our our our, 
our as we've all grown, our palates have been refined. Our comedic tastes have they, they really haven't. Been no. <laughs> yeah, you, you got me there. You got me there. <laughs> I, I I know when to call a spade a spade, my man. I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing this out there, okay? But um, whew, I'm back. It's 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 nice to be hey, back, everybody. Welcome back. Oh God. Um. <laughs> Like, spoiler alert, kids, we really haven't got that much planned for this week. Can you tell we're still struggling with the, with, with the motorsport summer nah. break? Nah, <laughs> you, you say this, but the moment we, st- we start on topic, we're just going to keep going and going and going. See? Hold on, hold on. Now, Energizer Bunny is, Energizer is not sponsored. <laughs> however, however, based on recent events... Um, I feel like uh, Monster Energy, if uh, there's all this free advertising space, uh, we have connections. So um, DM us at motorsport underscore 101 on Twitter. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely willing and able to disconnect myself and dissociate myself from all of KTM's projects to lies. get Monster Energy. Sponsored. Fucking lies. <laughs> I... I will, I will gladly, I will gladly trim up and wear one of the Monster Energy uh, Grid Girls outfits um, for the special 201st episode of Motorsport 101. Uh, uh, RJ, I've have an opportunity. RJ, I've seen those Monster Girl outfits. You do not want those problems. They're 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 riding very tight. Let's put it that way, um, and not for comedic effect either. It's like wearing corsets for your tits. It's not. It's it's not great. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's funny you mentioned this because I am actually drinking a can of Monster Energy Ultraviolet flavor as see? we speak. See, there we go, Monster Energy. Please sponsor us. Yes, please. You you, you you sponsor Connor Daly, and he, like, medically isn't allowed to drink your beverage. <laughs> you know, he's useful for all the other reasons to sponsor an IndyCar driver. But, uh, and, and half the Use motor it to GP sponsor matter. all of your other middle midfield teams, like Yamaha Motorsport. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> but who wants to know about what I got up to in Bruno? Yeah, we'll find out after I run through the usual stuff. But uh, <sighs> but uh, yeah, shout out to all you guys on YouTube. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We just hit 2,000 subscribers. Yay! Yeah. Yay! So nice to celebrate it twice. Woo! Yay! Thanks for everybody that didn't talk about it last time. But uh, yeah, 2,000 subscribers is, is, is bloody awesome. We, we went over the top last week. It was like, I think it was the day I touched down from Bruno, the night I came back on the Monday uh, last week. We hit 2,000 subs. So thanks to everybody that's, that's subscribing and all that good stuff. We're, we're pumping out videos a lot more frequently. I'm about 75% through um, a Bike Live segment, believe it or not, talking about Alex Marquez's recent struggles. The amount of video and audio I had to download to make this happen, you have no idea. So you better watch it. Um, <laughs> take it from me. There's also another debrief from me about Ricardo and the silly season, and an, a segment from last week's show about that all up on there as well, in case you missed it. It totally isn't already out of date. Thanks, Fernando. Again. Um, <laughs> we're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And our personal handles, if you want to follow us personally, are at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks. Tweet him and send him I said happy birthday. 
and at RJ O'Connell. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and to Bike Live. Episode 72 of that, by the way, went up this past weekend called Dovi, Digi and the Dentist. Good work from Lewis on that one, by the way. He came up with a title for that one. But uh, it reviews all the action from Bruno. That fantastic Dovi Marquez Lorenzo scrap in Moto GP. The brilliant uh, Oliveira Luca Marini scrap in Moto 2. And another bonkers Moto 3 weekend with Fabio Di Antonio finally getting some justice with his first Moto 3 victory. Jakob Kornfar getting the hero's welcome for a pole position and a hometown podium. And some motorsport guy and presenter on the show may or may not have been down there for it. Just throwing that out there. Uh, so all of that on episode 72 on, on Bike Live as well. That is up right now. Um, also, shout out to our man Rezzy who bumped his pledge up to five bucks. So hope you enjoyed all the early access on that one, sir. If you got up to ten bucks, you can get into our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. And you can banter with all of us in there as well. It's a fun time for all involved. Guaranteed to be only half as good as Landon Norris's Discord server, or your money back. Um, <laughs> in hindsight, that might be a really bold claim. In hindsight, but uh, <laughs> oh god, we're gonna get a bunch of Patreon refunds, aren't we? That's not gonna be fun. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, a lot of people have been asking me about this. Like Dre Howells, Bruno. I did talk about it a little bit on Bike Live last week, but. Uh, Bike Live is the good, humble Christian uh, motorsport show we have on, on the network. This isn't. Um, so, uh, I mean, for those guys that were, that were not blissfully aware of following me on Twitter, or this might be your first show, who knows, I was in Bruno for the MotoGP two weeks ago, and it was bloody awesome. Um, I somehow fluked my way into winning a competition, um, and that was... Basically, two VIP tickets for the weekend, all expenses paid, trip to Bruno. I was slapped in a four-star hotel. I've never felt so out of place in my entire life. It was an amazing <laughs> fucking hotel. Holy shit. Like, there was, like, a mini fridge inside the hotel. There was dressing gowns for free. We had, we had like, cable TV, free Wi-Fi. There was, like, a swimming pool and, and like, fitness room. There was a gym down the bottom. It was crazy. And because it was Monster Energy sponsored, there was li a literal in enormous fridge full of cans of Monster. On the house for everybody involved. I may have smuggled six back on the plane. Just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> I'm still stunned I wasn't pulled over for an act of terrorism or something. It's like, what, what are all these cans in your, in, in your bag, sir? Um, oil? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oil? <laughs> Literally, you decided to say something that is flammable. Excuse me, I believe I know Mr. Rossi here, and I believe he says I can take this out of the plane as a carry-on. Yeah, it's, it's complimentary. It came with the flight. <laughs> oh, dear. Like, it, it, seriously, though. Like, the funny thing was, it was an enormous fridge full of cans of Monster. It was empty by day three. By race day morning, it had already been cleaned out. And this is the nature of staying in a hotel with a bunch of English bike fans. They know a freebie when they see one. <laughs> Take all of them. Yeah, they probably took like six or seven cans and then just stuck them in their mini fridge over the weekend. To be fair, we did the exact same thing because it was me and my brother that went out there. Brother Ryan was with me the whole way through, um, so it was a it was a proper boys' home adventure, really, on that one. The worst part of it was the fact we were stranded in Bruno Airport for an hour and a half because the flight was delayed. Thanks, Ryanair. Um, 
their reputation precedes them. Um, and the taxi got cancelled, so we had to order a new taxi, and it took them an hour and a half to get down there. So there's me in the middle of Bruno Airport, Monster Energy reps calling me up left, right, and centre. And I'm sitting there fucking bricking it, going, where the hell is this goddamn taxi? And as you can see, there's a bunch of English bike fans all waiting outside the arrivals lounge at the airport, right? And you could slowly see as time goes on, they're all getting picked up by people. <laughs> and, and then there's the, then there's just me. Like it is literally just me and Ryan by the end of it. It was not pretty, but we we got there in the end. Like I said, the hotel was amazing. The breakfast, oh my god, I died at the breakfast. They had everything, King. They had everything you can think of. <laughs> pastries, all the juices. I love juice. I've never loved juice so much in my life. It made a nice break from all the monster I was drinking. Scrambled eggs, bacon, cereal. It had everything. I had literally everything in the breakfast lounge over the course of the four days. You, know, you have no idea. I own breakfast now, basically. <laughs> but, uh, you probably want to know about the race itself, uh, and, and and like again, I, I was in I was in the Monster Energy suite. It's like a, it was a proper VIP, like just past the media center, which was uh, like kind of crazy. I, I, I may have dipped my head inside just, just for curiosity's sake, and I was like, God, it's enormous. Um, all the Wi-Fi, all the uh, very proper-looking English folk with laptops. <laughs> uh, one guy had a full desktop layout. I, I was like, whoa, okay. Um, <laughs> he brought a whole desktop. Damn, I want to know the specs on that. <laughs> yeah, like, does he run, what's he running, a t GTS 1080? Does, does, it, does it run Minesweeper? Um, <laughs> does it run Minesweeper? I bet it, I bet it runs free ski. Hmm. Those Linuxes, you never know, right? Uh, but yeah, it was, it was literally like backside of the paddock, like where all the team trucks are. Um, our suite was literally right behind them. Like it, the, it's weird because then you go to the left, and, and when you got into our suite, like it's right in front of the home straight. It was crazy. Like, we were directly above the garages. It was bonkers. Like we were, like I, I was living Ryan King's dream, literally being on top of a KTM. Um, <laughs> I was like, King is going to hate me for this, because uh, um, I was literally directly above Polar Spagaro's garage. I might have been a bad luck omen for him, poor guy, because um, he ended up doing his collarbone in on, on, on Sunday morning. Um, yeah, somebody probably just dropped some monster energy right in front of the garage. Yeah, oil slick, um, oil slick. Um, <laughs> uh, get well soon, Paul. Um, but it, it, it was nuts. Um, it, it was nuts. Like, like... The funny thing is about MotoGP is the bikes sound so different when you hear them in person. Like, there is a legitimate, like, waspy sound when they come past you. It is bonkers. This is coming from a guy that's been to British Superbike meetings on two occasions now um, with with Adam, um, who you know from this show in the past. And they don't sound like that. The, the prototypes, are different, especially the Moto2 bikes, they sound, they sound legitimately incredible. I'm going to miss Honda. When they're gone at the end of the season before they go to triumphs next year, but because the hot, the 600cc Honda sounds amazing, um, waspy sounds and all that. It was, it like also I mentioned it during Bike Live, but I mentioned it here as well. Like easily a four to one ratio with Rossi merch compared to everything else. <laughs> like this may shock you, but Valentino Rossi is popular in these parts. <laughs> like, like guys, this, this is where you're meant to act surprised. Anyone? No one? No. 
No, not not surprised. No, no, not even. <laughs> no, but yeah, it, it literally was a sea of blue and yellow. Like it was literally eighty percent Valentino Rossi fans out there. Like I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. I said it was a, I say it was a good 80, 80 20 split. Like, it, like I'd say it was eighty percent Rossi fan. Like maybe fifteen percent Marquez, and then like five percent everything else. Like a hodgepodge of a bit, a little bit of Dovi little bit of Ducati G- Lorenzo gear, a little bit of KTM gear I saw out there. Uh, a little bit of gear. For, I, 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 you know what's the weirdest piece of merch I saw out there? I saw a dude in the paddock pit lane wearing a Xavier Simeon cap. I didn't even know they sold those. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, like, that shit was news to me. I was like, like oh my god, Xavier Simeon has a fan. Um... <laughs> I was in shock. Has a fan. It's like, yeah, like the guy was in the pit lane and he was charging for the Avintia garage down the bottom end. He might have been the only guy in front of the garage, and I think they actually let him in and let him mingle with the riders. I don't think anybody else was there to see him because um, they, they did a couple of you know pit lane walks down there for like the very very VIPs, and like there was two big flocks, one enormous one ahead in front of the Rossi garage. And to be fair, there was another one in front of the Marquez garage too. Like, like Marquez is going to be the future of this sport when Valentino Rossi inevitably hangs up the gloves sometime in 2026. Um, but uh, he's got a nice little pocket of fans now, Marquez. I'll say that much. Um, it's it's not despite being a multiple-time world champion. Yeah, the the thing is though, like, why what worries me is that Rossi is going to retire, but his merch is not going to go away anytime soon. They're going to sell forty six stuff for years and years and years. I can tell, like that that yellow is not going to go away anytime soon. You can you you can just tell it's going to be scary. Um, it's uh, that's that's it's 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 quite it was quite eye opening. Um, also quite opening, not a lot of grandstand seats uh, were, were actually full, especially on Saturday. It wasn't so bad on Sunday, but visibly empty seats in the grandstands where I was sitting. Um, Lewis had the decent theory when we were on Bike Live last week that he, was, that he mentioned. Um, by the looks of it, it looks like fans are starting to pick and choose between that and Austria now, because obviously Austria is pretty close and... You know, it's, it's now a back-to-back weekend on the calendar. Making fans pick and choose is probably not the best, especially given Bruno is a staple round that gets a hundred thousand on race day easily. Um, yeah. So, which is probably not ideal for one of your staple rounds of the calendar. But um, like biggest cheers, I will tell you for free. Valentino Rossi when he passes Cal Crutchlow literally on the final corner. That got a big cheer out of the main grandstand seeing Rossi passing you on the last lap for fourth. That was quite funny. Um, and Jakob Kornfile in the Moto3 race, who not only got on pole position due to half the field running out of time, trying to find a, a Tokyo, which, which, by the way, we were in the suite, we pissed ourselves laughing at that one. We were like, I, was, I said to Ryan with about three minutes to go in, in, in Moto3 qualified, like, these guys are coming out now. They're not going to make it. <laughs> like, they're not gonna, like, it's, it's a 220 lap round there, and they're all going to dilly-dally looking for sip, sip streams and shit. They're not going to make it. And then half the guys literally did not make it going over the line. I think it was 16 dudes crossed the line, and they immediately had the finish line marked next to their name because obviously they're done for the session. We pissed ourselves. Oh. It was hilarious. And that's pretty much exactly how Jakob Kornfile stole pole and got a big frigging roar out of the Czech fans when he came over the line on that one ahead of John McPhee. 
in second. And he got a podium too. He finished in third on the day during race day. And that got a big reaction out of the fans. They loved it. Um, great to see a home, hometown boy in Jakob Kornfeld do well, um, which was great. But um, overall, like, I was... It was, it was like, dream come true stuff. Like, it was amazing. It was everything you could hope for. If you have the means to go to a MotoGP event and you get a decent grandstand seat, absolutely fucking do it. It is well worth it. It is an incredible experience. Um, you know, it, 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 it's it's a fantastic time. and I, I would highly recommend it. Like, make it a proper weekend. Like, don't, like, go all out on this. The more you put into it, the more you will get out of it, for sure. Um... Do it. It, it, was, it was fucking fantastic. If you're lucky enough to be like me and you end up getting a fucking brilliant hotel as well, fucking do that too, because it's great. The hotel was, 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 was almost as good as the track itself. Um, I, didn't, I didn't want to leave. I was like, I'm staying here, man. This is chill. <laughs> it was... So, uh, Coda and Chill in 2019? Anybody? 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 Ooh, thinking about it. Thinking about it. Could be fun. A lot of money, but could be fun. Could definitely be fun. But, uh, you know, don't half-arse it, for sure. If you, if you can do it, go out of your way and do it properly is, is the best advice I can give you on that one. It was an amazing time. And to make King extra jealous, I got the fist bump with Brad Binder going back up to the media centre. That was fun. <laughs> I was like, go on, Brad. I was like, best up this weekend, Brad. Go get him. And I guess I just gave him a fist bump because I didn't want to take up too much of his time because he, he was in a hurry if he had to go back to a debrief or something. I didn't want to get in the way too bad. So I just gave him a fist bump on the way over. He's a lovely man, Brad Binder. He really is. We, we interviewed him on Black Life a couple of years ago. He is... A, a gentleman. He thanked us for the interview. That's how nice a man Brad Binder is. Um, he's a lovely bloke, um, and I, I wish him all the good things. Um, yeah, he's an absolutely lovely bloke as well. But uh, yeah, amazing weekend. Uh, stuff of dreams, really was. Um, one, I can tick that one off the bucket list now. Got to do an F1 race next year, most likely. Maybe Belgium. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah. Silverstone can sod off with all their fucking ticket prices. God. <laughs> so, you know, maybe Belgium or something. That could be fun. But, uh, yeah, that was me and Bruno, everybody. Thanks to everyone that, that, that reached out, you know, and wanted to see more stuff. There's a lot of videos and stuff on my Instagram page, at Harrison101, if you haven't seen it already. If you want to dig up my tweets, you can. It's, it's, it's from back there as well. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. A lot of Valentino Rossi um, for you fans out there. You know, I'm sure there's some of you out there somewhere. But uh, yeah, a great time for all involved. Okay, should we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, folks? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, somebody retired. Oh, oh wait, it's Fernando Alonso. Act shocked, everybody. What? As you can, I have feelings. As you can see, we're all mildly surprised at this. Um, it was announced literally about ooh, five hours ago at the time of recording. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, uh, this blessed August 14, 2018. We actually decided to record today because we knew some big news was coming, even though we kind of knew what it was, what it was going to be. But uh, Nano Alonso, after after 17 years, is stepping away from Formula 1. For now, at least. Um, 
The funny thing is, he says it's he says it like he says it's not really a retirement because he's always he's he's opened the door for a return maybe one day maybe when McLaren gets their shit together. But uh, yeah, this is the end. Um, one of the last remaining members of that amazing class of two thousand and one, um, Kimi Raikkonen is going to be the last man standing by the looks of it. Uh, and even hey, who knows? He he might be retiring at the end of the season for all we know as well. So. Whew. This is a lot, uh, you know. This it, again, we're not going to pretend like we're surprised at this because we're not. This, this is probably the worst kept secret in Formula One. We all know where he's probably going to end up, IMSA, of course. But that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, seventeen years, and I, f I think we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of his career here first because, like, like let's break this down. Fernando Alonso, two-time world champion, and just one of the most like successful dudes of this era and like he's gonna leave behind i think a very interesting legacy i mean he's, he's up to 305 f1 grand prix he's gonna be i think third on the all-time list by the time he'll assuming no injuries and he, he completes the season he'll be only the fourth man i want to say in the 300 club alongside uh michael schumacher rubens barrichello and jensen button i think is the other man in the 300 club yes. um Yes. 32 career wins, 97 career podiums, 22 pole positions, 23 fastest laps, and of course, two world championships in 2005 and 2006 for the Renault team. And RJ, I'll let you start off on this one because you are our resident self-confessed Alonso stan, and um, I don't think there's a better man for this opening segment than you on this one, so the floor is... No, thank you. The floor, you. the floor is yours um, on this one, my friend. So, in a way, it, it not only feels like uh, Fernando Alonso is stepping away. I know he's not retired because he still wants to race. Um, you could tell because, hey, he's committed to a full World Endurance Championship Super Season. And more than likely, he's going to be committing to another season of racing with a top flight team. You know, where we always expect he'll be. In the NASCAR uh uh, Gander Outdoor Truck of Series. Of <laughs> title sponsor. What did you think it was um, going to be? <laughs> right. <laughs> but but on a more serious note, you know, I got into Formula 1 through video games, and I didn't really start watching until I was about mm, 11, 12 years old. And I can remember, because this was also Juan Pablo Montoya's rookie year, one of my other favorite drivers of all time who went dearly missed in Formula 1, um, there was a rookie, a teenage rookie, who ended the year as a 20-year-old who was doing incredible things with a Minardi PSO1, which was literally a year-old car um, from a team that was literally saved from administration with weeks to go before the start of the 2001 season. Uh, Fernando Alonso was doing things that should not have been accomplished in that car in terms of his outright pace, uh, where he was getting that up on the grid. The best example of uh, what that PSO1 should have been capable of was when you look at his teammates, Tarso Marquez and Alex Young, who were really struggling just to even make races mm. in that thing. Alonso was not only getting it off the, uh, not only qualifying it, he was getting off the back row of the grid. He was out qualifying Benetons for the first half of the season. He out qualified Jacques Villeneuve at the U.S. Grand Prix at Indianapolis. That's former Indy 500 winner and former world champion Jacques mm. Villeneuve in a BAR Honda. He put together what he described as 53 qualifying laps in his final race with the team at the Japanese Grand Prix. 
So you kind of had a feeling this kid was going to be something special. He takes a gap year at Reno in 2002, and then you just wonder, it's a matter of time before he gets that call up to Reno, and in 2003, he makes the most of it. Becoming Formula One's youngest Grand Prix winner at the time, when he won the Hungarian Grand Prix. Not just won it, but dominated it. He put Michael Schumacher a lap down mm-hmm. in that race. That was terrifying. Um, of course, then he goes on, has a has a great season in 2003, comes back, wins titles in 05 and 06. I, I still tell you, it's what it, he was, those were the years where he had one of the greatest, uh, and some of those battles were, you know, against Michael mm. Schumacher for uh, for the San Marino Grand Prix victory oh, in 05 and for the uh, world championship out, outright in 2006. Yeah. Um, that was uh, that was some that was some weird stuff. It, that was some yeah. Some at, at, at the time, he was the um, youngest ever world champion as well. He won a world title at twenty three. Yes. Yeah. Time time really mm. flies, and you just kind of. I think a lot of people will always wonder um, what would Fernando Alonso's career have been if he'd made one career move where he shouldn't have had, or one career move differently. Um, there was that very tumultuous first time with McLaren, which led him back to Renault, a Renault that was not the Renault that it once was. But things probably could have been different, maybe if he took the Red Bull offer, maybe if he'd gone to Ferrari a year sooner or a year later, uh, maybe if he'd stayed at Ferrari instead of jumping ship to McLaren this last time out. Who's to say? You know, the, the, the thing is that Alonso has left a lot of world titles on the table. 07. 10, 12 were the closest he ever came to winning that third title. And it, some of those, you know, I, I could always say like, yeah, you know, yeah, I could be, I could be bitter about that. But, you know, as someone who's been a fan of his, like I've always had a deep appreciation for what Fernando Alonso has brought to the sport as an individual talent. And now, even later in his career, a global phenomenon who transcends pretty much all of motorsport. Only Lewis Hamilton really transcends Formula One the way that Fernando mm. Alonso does at this stage in his career. And it may just be because he's also the only driver who's willing to venture out late in his career to uh, to be competitive at Indy, to be competitive at the 24 hours a lot and win the race, which is also kind of a uh, which is also kind of a sound effect to the uh, to the the latter stages of his career because. This move to McLaren in 2015 should have been the chance where this is it. This is finally the move that's going to win him that third title because clearly something wasn't working at Ferrari. Um, It's never panned out like that. And McLaren, bless them, are working to give him so many opportunities, you know, that they're willing to loan him out to the Indy 500, let him skip Monaco, willing to loan him out to Toyota, let him run the World Endurance Championship where you're basically guaranteed um, at least a half season's worth of victories. And now they're willing to start up a full-time IndyCar team around him. That's the word on the street. I could be better about, you know, the fact that Alonso never won all the world titles that he should have deserved, that he hadn't won a race since Spain in 2013, uh, that the McLaren move didn't plan out, or that he didn't go to Red Bull or what have you. But Fernando Alonso has been one of my favorite drivers through the good times, through the not-so-good times. Um, He's been a driver that I've really grown up as a Formula One fan because he was around when I he was got started as I first started actually watching Formula One races. 
And as his Formula One career draws to a close, this is also kind of a uh, this is kind of a chapter in my life as a racing fan. I think a lot of mm. people's lives, Dre, King, Absolutely. yourselves included. Um, this is a chapter of our racing lives coming to an end because he is he represents a generation of drivers that came in right as our right as we made the transition from childhood to teenage years and eventually into adults. Um, so that so Alonzo really you know he's been there through everything and it's going to be very very strange not to have him on a Formula 1 grid to be perfectly clear again he's not retiring but it's going to be weird as hell not seeing him on a Formula 1 grid yeah. when you know he's physically fit and has the resolve to do anything yeah. it'll, be, it'll, be the, yeah. but it'll be the first time in 17 years he won't be on an F1 grid because he didn't he wasn't there in 02 technically speaking but uh yeah, I mean, taking the baton from you, RJ, I mean, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I've never pretended to be a fan of Fernando. He's never been a guy I've emotionally invested in. I was on the Michael side of the fence when I was a kid. He was the Antichrist when he came up in the mid-2000s. It's like, oh my god, like, you know... 13-year-old Dre was who didn't understand how F1 was changing in the mid-2000s, was like, who's this Alonso guy, and why is Schumacher not winning anymore? Um, I didn't, I didn't... And as a 15-year-old, as a 15-year-old RJ who thought Michael Schumacher was the Antichrist in return, I can respect everything. <laughs> I get that. I can respect I get that. that. I mean, like I said, Alonso for me was 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 the demonic Antichrist of, like, who's going to bring hell to F1 after Bernie went out of his way to make sure Ferrari didn't win for at least a year. But, um, no. As, like, I'm not going to pretend like I'm an Alonso fan, because I'm not. But, I have always had tremendous respect for his ability as a racing driver. He is relentless. He is relentlessly fast. And I said it on Twitter earlier today, and I will repeat what I said on there. Like, he is probably the most ambitious Formula One driver of my lifetime. And that is a double-edged sword in its own right. He was amb- He's ambitious in the sense of he's been one of the few truly elite race car drivers we've had in the last 20 years that have you know been open to venturing beyond the f1 bubble and often shattering preconceived notions about relations between series like f1 and indycar i'm forcing some people to ask some difficult questions um millions tuned in to see him in indycar the first time around and for good reason he is one of the best racing drivers of our generation i've I think he's a top. I think he's a top twelve racing driver of all time in, in F1 sense. He was in my top ten when we had that top ten list um, back in the early days of the show. King, I'm sure King remembers that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and like I said, the ambition is a double-edged sword. He like he's done brilliantly for motorsport as an ambassador. Not just in F one, but obviously IndyCar and you know now the WEC. He's he's and for Spain as well. Of course, I'm sorry to interject, yeah. but absolutely you know, with with motorsport in Spain, this was a bike country. Car racing meant nothing until Fernando Alonso really started hitting his stride. He turned mm. the Spanish Grand Prix at Barcelona from a pretty good event to a sellout every year. He justified for better or for worse, adding a second race in Valencia. 
Yeah. Like, if you look at Barcelona, like, uh, Circuit de Catalunya, Barcelona today, like, with the massive stadium-style grandstands, they weren't there before Fernando Alonso. Yeah, he was box office. He didn't... Like, he was one of the guys flying the flag for basically the entire new sporting era of Spain from their football team going on that six-year dominant stretch between European Championships and World Cups and their biking scene coming together brilliantly with the rise of Danny Pedrosa, Jorge Lorenzo, and to a lesser degree, Marc Marquez now. Like and again, and you know, and the, don't for, don't forget like Rafa Nadal and course. like Alberto Contador and cycling. It was truly he was truly the start of that golden age of Spanish sport. Yeah, you can stem it back to the mid two thousands and Fernando Alonso's rise to fame and a, a, a fresh twenty three year old hotshot, which which was exactly what the sport sort of needed at that point in time. Because let's be frank, there's a lot of people who hated Schumacher in the mid two thousands for being so dominant. Let's not hide that and. Like I said, that relentless ambition came back to bite him a few times. He burned a few bridges. He had a reputation of being notorious to work with. You know, it it, it wasn't all smooth sailing for Fernando. And as RJ alluded to, eight more points strategically placed in his career. And he's a five-time world champion. Instead, it's quote-unquote only two. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's we, we can go into that till the cows come home. We can debate 2010, 12, maybe even 07 as well and debate that till the cows come home. He's still a ridiculously brilliant racing driver. And I mentioned this during my Nico Rosberg video blog when he hung up, you know, you know, and he hung up the gloves almost two years ago now. God, that, that feels like it was yesterday. Um, I said he reminded me a lot of Kobe Bryant in that sense of where Kobe Bryant had this just, just relentless like lack of fear of failure that I always applauded about Kobe. And this is, this is I'm a Lakers fan. I, I make no bone admitting this, but I was never the biggest Kobe fan because Kobe was, shall we say, problematic for a long time. But, you know, he had that ridiculous ambition and just this... He, he, he didn't have a failure bone in him. He one of those guys that just... You know what? I'm 18. I'm going to shoot the last shot. I don't care if it doesn't go in. Alonso reminds me of that a lot because he was always determined to try and find a way to succeed, even if it meant gambling on teams that weren't quite there or, you know, going from team to team trying to desperately win that third world title he's craved so much. And hey, who knows? He may still come back for that at some point because he's left the door open to a return. But, uh,. Yeah, I may not necessarily like Fernando, but I sure as hell respect him as a racing driver. And I and I think there'll be books one day written on his ultimately quite confusing legacy um, as, you know, a brilliant F1 driver, but maybe not quite as good as he could have been for on and off track reasons. And also just his all round ambition and, you know, spreading the seed to the you know, IndyCar and the WEC and... It's going to be very interesting to see how he's looked back on for me, I think, in 10, 10 or 15 years' time when the next generation comes through. Because that's what it feels like. This feels like the start of a generational shift. I mentioned it before. Felipe Massa is retired. He was in that class of 2001. Kimi Raikkonen is probably one or two years away from the end of the line from him. Montoya went back to, you know, venture. Um... To North America. So back then, to North Jensen America. Button Jensen Button came in in 2000. Yeah. He stepped away, too. Yeah. So that's that whole generation of drivers who came in in the early 2000s. Mark Webber is another driver. He stepped away five years ago. Mm -hmm. 
So um, it goes on. And pretty soon we're going to come to a point where drivers like Lewis Hamilton, if Kimi retires too, Lewis Hamilton is the elder statesman of Formula One at 34. Yeah. Hamilton's 34 in January. It doesn't feel like he's 34. <laughs> Like that, like that's the terrifying Jesus thing. Jesus Christ, I am old. Yeah, right. Lewis is thirty-four in January, and he debuted in what two thousand seven. Like, yes. So, like, so many guys have come and gone since then. Like, Alonso feels like the last of last of an era, really. Raikkonen is is probably going to be the last one standing. There's still a lot of talk. He's he's about to sign another one plus one deal with Ferrari by the looks of it, but. Um, by all accounts, it, it it looks like, yeah, it, it looks like you know, Kimmy's going to be the last one left. King, any further anything else you want to add on on old Nando before we talk about his future a little bit? No, I mean it's scary to think that we could be in an F one where the elder statesmen are <laughs> are Lewis Hamilton. And Sebastian Vettel, who both debuted in 2007. And Vettel's only 31. He's not that old. Daniel Ricciardo turned 29 last month. Like, yeah. like it, it's, it, it, it does feel like a generational shift. We're not going to have that many drivers in the field over the age of 30 by next season. It's going to be kind of weird looking back on that, because, I mean, there's been such a kick on youth movement now in F1, where I think the average age of the sport is certainly coming down compared to previous years. Like it's going, I think it's going the way MotoGP is now, where it's like they're all just trying to find the next Marquez now, so they're just hiring younger and younger talents. And to be fair, you can get into bike racing at the, at the Moto3 level now at 15 if you know what you're doing. So you're not getting the 15-year-olds in an F1 seat no more. But, you know... It's it's one of those scary things, but we all know where this is probably going. Like Mark Miles kind of let the cat out of the bag earlier today as well, talking about how McLaren not only tried to bring in Scott Dixon, but they also he also admitted that uh, McLaren are working to to field the team in the IndyCar series for 2019. So um, hmm, I wonder who's fitting one of those seats now. Uh, <laughs> any guesses, anyone? Um, <laughs> No, it's not Scott Dixon. Um, but, yeah, it's looking very much now like Alonso will be heading over there, and it's looking like for the full season. Um, so, yeah. read into that what you will, but, uh, King, what do you think Alonso's going to bring to the table in IndyCar now? Because uh, this, is, this, I think this is... I think this is what we've always kind of been thinking the end game was going to be with Nando, but uh, it's like it's actually going to happen now. I have a theory I'll uh, let King go first. Yeah, I, like, in terms of Fernando's role there, in terms of, we all know what Fernando wants to do in IndyCar. He wants to be there to win, obviously, and win the Indianapolis 500 specifically. To everyone else looking in, I think he's going to be that, you know, Major League Soccer designated player kind of person. Like, some someone that will draw eyes to IndyCar to show them that there is a good product here. It doesn't have to be... You know, former F1 stars, this is not a quote-unquote retirement home. IndyCar has its own stars, it has its own product to offer. They just need to let more people know that this product exists. He is Nigel Mansell Part 2. He is the only driver that I think if he goes full-time uh, that's going to have that much of a, uh, of a widespread appeal that will bring eyeballs to IndyCar the way that Mansell did when he jumped ship from Formula 1 to IndyCar 
as the reigning World Drivers Champion uh, in 1993. Now, now Alonzo is not coming in at the reigning world champion because of circumstances, uh, but he has already endeared himself to, to IndyCar crowds once before. Um, and certainly if any one of the drivers, let's say a Joseph Newgarden, a Scott Ditson, an Alex Rossi, a Robert Wickens, can, can uh, get into a head-to-head -head fight with Alonzo for a title and uh, you know, at, at win or at least make it close, you know, that's that's gonna do a lot for IndyCar's reputation. Sure. By a by a wide margin. Yeah, it's I, I think it's a nice shot in the arm in the short term. I mean I've stressed in the past, don't get me wrong, that I think IndyCar needs to be doing more to enhance its homegrown talent, especially given it's got three really fast Americans in the top eight right now with New Garden as reigning champ, Alex Rossi, who's now going to be a, a, a serious contender for this year's title, as well as last season, and of course his 500 victory, and Graham Rayle, who, let's not forget, was top Honda in the series for two years straight as well. Um, but as a short-term shot in the arm, if it gets a little bit of legitimacy for the series going forward, because let's be real here, a lot of motorsport fans are snobby as fuck. And they're not gonna, and they're not, they're not yeah. gonna take IndyCar seriously because it's IndyCar. We all saw how Lewis Hamilton perceived it when Alonso qualified in the top five last year for the 500. It was like, oh well, if if, if, if Alonso can go over there and qualify in the top five, it says a lot about their series. And I'm like, well, no, it just. Yeah, do you know how hard that is? Doing an IndyCar time trial run is hard. Mm-hmm. Really, really hard to the point where guys like James Hinchcliffe may not even run in a 500. Which kind of says it all, really. And this is a guy that's a multiple race winner. Um, yeah, it's... If, if it adds legitimacy in the long run for IndyCar as a series, and it gets IndyCar some more appeal, because, my God, the series deserves more eyeballs on it, for sure. Um, in some capacity, anyway. Um, if, if that happens in the long run, then I'll, then I'll be more than for it. Um, I hope that's the case. I think a part of me is you know, hopelessly optimistic on that one because motorsport guys are the definitions of people who stay in their lanes. Um, a lot of guys don't venture out from F1, and if they do, it's often to throw shade at another series. WEC fans, I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not going to pretend like I'm that excited because, again, I'm, I'm not going to, like, I haven't seen this coming for, like, a year and a half. This, I think this was always going to be the end game. After how much, um, after how much he enjoyed the experience last year, you could see he he was a different guy out there in Indianapolis last year compared to, you know, the, the quite snobby, you know, Saki Alonso we often get in F1 now, full of sass and whatnot. Um, in IndyCar, he was humble. He was respectful of everybody. He genuinely had a great time. He had an electric-powered skateboard and cool-looking race shoes. Everybody loved him out there. And the uh, the media flock. I remember, remember this, did anyone ever remember seeing the video of like, Tony Kalan just sitting there with nobody around him and he was sitting next to like 50 reporters flocking around Fernando Alonso on Carb Day? It, 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 it kind of yeah. said it all, really. Like, they, you know... The, the media loved themselves from Fernando and Fernando loved them back and I don't think that's going to ease up anytime soon um, IndyCar have been actively courting him on social media ever since um, 
brown nosing, I think the phrase is what, is what we're looking for here. But um, people have got every right to be excited. This is a, this is a fantastic coup for the series. Like, not in their wildest dreams did you ever think, oh, right, like a double Formula One world champion and one of the best drivers of this generation is out here as a full-time member of the IndyCar paddock. That is bonkers. Um, and that's awesome. And it's a great coup for the series, and I hope they embrace that with both hands. But also, at the same time, let's not forget... The IndyCar series right now is in really good hands, especially in terms of talent. And I hope they don't forget that with Fernando coming in because, uh, you know, Dixon is probably going to win this year's title, barring a miracle. But, you know, you've, your, your series has never looked brighter in, in terms of North American stars, in terms of, you know, genuinely a lot of extra charismatic, homegrown domestic talent coming up the front like new garden like ray yeah. hall you know this uh yeah this competitively is the best it's been since before the split mm. like robert wickens has walked in and been a huge boost to the series and he's another north american guy that you know was kind of an unknown name in north america until he came back over because of his dtm time and whatnot but the series is in a great place and it's only going to get better with fernando there and i hope it continues um so, uh, so watch all this get blown up when Alonzo announces he's going to Hendrick Motorsports to drive in the Cup Series. He's in Dale's year. car, isn't he? <laughs> Man. It's, it's going to be the 88. No, it's going to be the number 14. If Stuart there was Haas anything, is going to sell the number 14 so that Alonzo can drive it. If, if there was anything that could globalize like NASCAR by tomorrow, it would be Alonzo Sonic for a yep. Cup team. It's either him or Lewis Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Even though Lewis seems far more likely, and it would probably be like a part-time schedule, because he ain't about the full cup calendar life. Yes, yes, we're going to be seeing uh, Hamilton at the Glen. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> but um, no, again, I, I wish Nando the best out there. I think I think IndyCar will 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 coddle him very nicely indeed, and I think I think I think it's a great it's a great blend of him in the series. It's a it's a great cube. That was what it turns out to be. It probably is. Um, so, yeah, I wish him all the best. And, yeah, it's it's going to be a big hole to fill in F1. Um, speaking of which, we thought to fill the time quite beautifully. Um, <laughs> well, just, let's, let's take a look at the state of play on the grid so far. And what's going to be another generic, over-the-top, silly season update? Hey! Hype, hype, hype. Um, so. Okay. So we should run down pretty much the seats that we know are confirmed for uh, next how, year. How about we go from the is... top team by team? It's more fun that way. Nah, I think I think we should just, just close out all the seats that we know are there, because it's a lot fewer than you think Spoil sports. So that's, uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, so we'll start right at the top with Mercedes, who have Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas on multiple year deals. E Why change what exactly. isn't broken? Yeah. Um, we have Renault. They are set for next year with uh with the with Hulkamania and Big Rick Energy. That's right, Daniel Ricardo and Nico Hulkenberg. Mm -hmm. The big splash of the of the silly season so far. Uh, and I think now we should now this is where we get into the good like these i would say part speculation part really intuitive like guesswork where we go into 
Uh, there are two drivers who are signed, but they're not on the same team, so each of them are still looking, don't know who their teammates mm-hmm. are going to be, are, who, who their teammates are gonna, going to be next year, and that's at Ferrari and Red Bull, starting with the big one at Ferrari. Is it going to be Kimmy? <laughs> I think probably. Um, yeah, Spanish media, um, take it for what you will, is reporting uh, Kimmy has another one-year deal on the books. Um, if it's this Kimmy that's coming back next year, I don't have a huge Me problem neither. with it. Because this, honestly, has been the best Kimmy's been in, I want to say, since his time at Lotus started to fall Yeah, I'd say first half of 2013. This is easily the best. Yeah, this is easily the best he's been in the hybrid Definitely. era. Definitely. Definitely best Raikkonen for me since 2013. Um, like he's got. To be fair to him, he's gotten better and better as the hybrid season have gone. I think he's just been a slow learner. But he has nine podium finishes. He's got five in a row right now, going through the summer break. Kimi is doing what we kind of hoped he was always going to do, and that was be a reliable backup for Sebastian Vettel, who's trying to lead a title charge of his own for the drivers' title. The key matchup was always going to be Raikkonen against Valtteri, and. You know, Valtteri's been unlucky. Let's not, let's not deny this. But, you know, Raikkonen has done what he's needed to do. He's taken the points where he can get them. He's had a couple of unfortunate DNFs in his own right. Bahrain, um, due to pit lane shenanigans. And, of course, his, his, his MGUK conking out in Spain didn't exactly... He was, he was running third on that again, too. On another day, Raikkonen's got 11 podiums this season out of, out of, tw- out, out of like, 13 races. It's kind of bonkers when you think about it. But uh, Raikkonen's done a very solid job this year. And don't get me wrong. People at home listening who are going to throw shade at me, you have every right to be really excited about Charles Leclerc. He's excellent. He is going to be even better. I have no doubt about that. Don't rush this, is what I would say. I would say, what's the hurry here? There's no reason to not wait another year here, at least from, at least from where I'm sitting. Yeah, because yeah. all things considered, uh, pretty much Charles Leclerc, like, bar anything like tragic happen, he's going to have a career that's at least 20 years long in F1. Yeah, there's no hurry here, and Ferrari, for the first time in the hybrid era, have got a legitimate shot at both championships. Let's not break up the winning formula just yet, because now it's it's proving it's starting to work. Like, Vettel's only 24 off the driver's title at the moment. I think Ferrari's only 10 off the constructor's lead right now. They're they're doing good work. They're having a they're, by their standards, they're having a very good season. Like, Vettel had five wins for all of last year, last season. He's already got four this year already. They're doing what they need to do. So, I don't see any reason for that to change anytime soon. So, for me, I would say give Raikkonen one more year, see where they're at this time next year. But, I like, I don't see the hurry to put Charles in there just yet. Um, yeah, because if, if I, you know, if I was running Ferrari, uh, and I was, you know, Mauricio Arriva Bene, Running, like, yeah, have Kimmy for one more year to see if you get the title. The Iceman Goeth Appreciation Tour. Yes, and the year after that, you have Charles Leclerc come in. He gets used to running, you know, he gets used to being at the main team at Ferrari. And then the year after that, you have the big formula change. Yeah. 
give maybe give Leclerc a couple of FP ones as well next year. Why not, right? It's getting like we all know that's going to be their young driver of the future now. Sadly, Jules is no longer with us, so embrace it. Give him a few FP ones here and there. I don't think it's going to hurt Raikkonen too much, especially if you know you're not going to re-sign him for 2020. You know, so why not give him a few FP ones in there and, and whatnot? So. Yeah, I think you know. I think one more year and then Leclerc, I think, is the play here. Um, unless they just go out and refield and just fucking sign Romain Grosjean or something. Who knows? <laughs> Thirty-three to one shot right there, folks. But um, yeah, I, I think that covers Ferrari more. Of course, Vettel is confirmed. Um, Red Bull. <laughs> Red Bull Honda. Um, who wants to be Matt's for Sappen's teammate? <laughs> Don't all rush in at once. Um, who oh, does dear. Max Verstappen and Helmut Marco want to be Max Verstappen's teammates? I've seen everyone from uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. to Pierre Gasly to even reigning Formula E champion Jean-Eric Verne be brought up as names like as people that Ferrari are interested in. I mean, people at Red Bull are interested in. I was like, wow. wait a minute, Verne's coming back? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's coming back to Ferrari. <laughs> Remember, he was a he was a test and development driver in 2015. Hey, baby, I run the simulator. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like so the question is who's going to be Verstappen's number two? Because like the comments that Christian Horner made, not only on the official F1 podcast Beyond the Grid, and to RaceFans.net talking about how. He reckoned Ricardo was scared of playing a support role. Kind of says a picture about what the direction of Red Bull was always going to inevitably end up being. Um, it's Verstappen's team now. This I think this was always going to be the end game, and here it is, everybody. They've driven out one half of what Horner claimed was their best ever team lineup. <sighs> now, for me, from where I'm sitting on this, I said it on my said it on my Dre brief. I'm going to say it here too. I think they're going to go with Gasly. I really do. I, I I don't think they're going to. I don't think Red Bull want another toxic driver partnership where two guys are scrapping each other again. Red Bull's been here before on numerous occasions. I don't think they want those problems. And Pierre Gasly, I think, has proven to be F1's tire management king, according to our own Luke Smith out there. Shout out to the man, Luke yeah. Smith. But, uh, and he's also got he's also got a year of experience with the Honda power units. So you bring him in, and he can bring in some level of feedback that Red Bull Racing can use to help make the car better around the Honda power unit. It's a very good point. I didn't I didn't consider that as well. Yeah, you're right. A year a year with Hondas in the in the in the in the tank is certainly going to help as well. Which is, by the way, a body blow for Carlos Sainz because, my God, the man is a brilliant driver and an excellent, excellent talent. And I, like, I was praying Carlos Sainz would get the buyback clause kick in, and have, I still hope he gets the buyback clause and gets to take the seat, which I think is, you know, on paper the best possible driver they could realistically get right now. But it's looking like I think they're, they're going to go Gasly, which I don't think is a bad play. I just don't think it's the best play. and It's certainly not the best one in terms of like pure out-and-out -out talent. No. And to be fair, like Pierre Gasly is no slouch. Of course not. Like He's a he's a Formula 2 champion and a Formula Renault 3.5 runner-up when that series still had credibility. Hey. Um, but but um, the thing is... Verstappen and Carlos Sainz have not gotten along well before, 
and they're not so far removed from those times. That was, that was only two years yeah. ago. Two and a half years ago, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they're going to want that, especially if, if Red Bull are going to go all in on Verstappen as the Golden Goose. Which is going to be funny when he ends up going to Mercedes one day. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, like, I, I mentioned this on the Dreamweave again. Like, it's kind of scary that Red Bull has pretty much sacrificed every resource they've had in the last five years to build this team around Verstappen. They'd better come through on this one because, boy, <laughs> they have literally exhausted everything to get to this point. They've sacrificed the prime years of Daniel Ricciardo. Carlos Sainz is probably going to be out of Red Bull altogether at the end of the season. Pierre Gasly might get the seat in the end, but he's the last guy standing. Brendan Hartley's going to be chewed up and span out by the looks of it. Me might be going to IndyCar for all we know. Like, they've given up everything to get to, to, get to this point. They're all in on Verstappen. They have no one else now on this sort of level. Like, where, because we all know Verstappen at his best is mind-blowingly fast, but the consistency has been there. So, them going all in on Verstappen is a interesting play, and I'm not sure Verstappen has got the long-term longevity with, with Red Bull that I think guys like Daniel Ricciardo, who spent seven years in, in, in the fam, um, their longest ever tenured driver, may I add, um... I'm not sure he's got that in him because I think Mercedes are going to sniff to make him their dude. Because remember, Merck's tried to get him when he was 15 and still in karting. The only reason he went to Toro Rosso was because Red Bull could give him something they couldn't. And that was a race seat straight away. And, uh, oh boy. That, that, that could be fun to keep an eye on, to say the least. But, uh, all right. Moving down um, the field. So now we got six teams. We got, uh, we got six open seats. Six open teams, 12 open seats. Um, how do we want to lay these out? I would say top, bottom, and current constructors. Yeah, or so that brings us to America's oh, team. Ass. Mm. Haas. Yeah. Haas. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna keep mm. there too. I think Magnussen. From what I've heard, Magnussen is definitely safe, um, and he should be. He's having a fantastic season. Um, like. It's nice to see Magnussen finally get the due. Um, I think he's been <clears throat> due for quite some time. Um, yes, he's a bit aggressive, and yes, he will piss people off of his driving style, but the, but the results are there. He's in the top ten of the championship for the first time this year, and he's genuinely doing excellent work right now. He's racking up the points for Haas. Which is what they've always needed. Ron Dennis and Martin Whitmarsh weep silently. Yeah. <laughs> this could have been your guy. This could have been your so, guy. So they had to sacrifice the house to get Fernando Alonso and give him 30 million a year. So RJ is deeply conflicted. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, from what I've heard, K-Mag is definitely safe. Um, so I'm going to pencil K-Mag in because I don't think he's going to leave that team. I think he's going to be the leader of that team going forward. Grosjean is the iffy one, by all accounts. I think, I think that's fair to say. Um, yeah. Um, the His pace is still good, yeah. but now he's starting to bump up. He's... I, I wouldn't say now he's starting to bump up against the same, and I'd say he's firmly hitting. He's gotten good in the last four races where he's scored points, but of course he had that torrid stretch to start the season. In between uh, his fourth in Austria and his sixth in Germany, there was Great Britain. 
which uh, had Gunther Steiner talking that maybe, you know, he has to he has to perform to really keep his place at the team. He had that howler in uh, Baku. Um, oh, dear Lord. Thanks. Yeah. That was your Jody and Palmer play of the season right there. Goodness. And it's it's disappointing because at the time they brought Grosjean in, I thought that was a smart move. It was. And, you know, in some respects, it still is. You know, Grosjean's not been terrible, but Haas are at a point where they're starting to look at more competitive options. Is this the time where they swap Grosjean out for Leclerc because... Um, Leclerc might have uh, might have done all he can for Salfa Bermeo, and if he's not going to Ferrari, then this seems like the next logical step up. Even though it feels like we'll get to Salfa Bermeo later, it it uh, I'll, I'll say why I think Leclerc is going to stay at Salfa Bermeo, but it doesn't seem like Haas have the the capability of getting Charles Leclerc out from the the. FCA yeah, rem- hands. Yeah, remember, Haas say. aren't really all that much in bed with Ferrari. Not it's, it's not like Sauber, which is basically the B team at this point. Haas have always tried to stand out on their own. They, they, they want they like they don't really want to lean on Ferrari where they can help it. I don't think they could get Leclerc if they really wanted to. Maybe it might be a better play if you're going to go long term. Maybe give Antonio Giovinazzi a call. See if you can. See if you can wrestle him out from under. Yeah. Like that would be the more logical play as a backup plan if you can't get Charles Leclerc and you get another one of your Ferrari juniors much needed track time because like remember when we were all excited about Giovinazzi a year and a half ago and that's completely yeah. gone away? Yeah, I'm still excited. Yeah. I'm still excited. <laughs> I know that China Grand Prix weekend didn't go so well, but dude has talent. Absolutely. Like he almost took that GP two title off of Pierre Gasly. Mm. As a rookie, as a rookie who was using his his funding from his best friend's dad to get there, got got to love that Southeast Asian <laughs> KFC. But um, yeah, like I think if they if they're gonna think long term, I think Giovinazzi, I think is the play. Um, I think that is a guy you probably have a better chance to wrangle out from Ferrari rather than the Golden Goose in Charles Leclerc. Um, because there's not a lot of other guys that you can really picture in that Haas seat for next year. Otherwise, I think I think they're the odd ones out in this driver no. in this in this driver market where they haven't really got options or they've not really had people talk about going to Haas. I, I personally think they'll retain their lineup. I think they'll keep Grosjean for another year and obviously have Magnussen basically spearhead the team because he's right now the more prolific scorer. But. Um, it's a good team, Haas. Like, like there's, there's, there's not a lot yeah. out there they could get that would make them better right now. Like, they have a very solid Magnussen who's coming into his prime years now at 26. You know, he's got almost 100 races under his belt now. Like, K-Mag is, is turning into a properly good midfield runner now. And Grosjean is still capable of spectacular performances when the car is dialed in. Um... And I think that's Haas's bigger problem. They need to be a bit more consistent, I think, on more tracks in general. We'll save that for next week's proper mid-season review. But, uh, yeah, like, that's the impression I get from Haas. So does anyone else get in that vibe? I think it's more a car problem than the drivers they have at the moment. Yeah, it, it feels like they're... They're not hitting the ceiling, but yeah, they're, they're approaching it. They're definitely getting I mean, this, this has been a much better year for Haas, no matter which way you slice it. So, yeah. 
this is the best car they've ever built. This is the best team they've ever had on a consistent race-race basis. They're missing a little bit. Blowing 22 points in Australia certainly didn't help either. But, uh, you know, <sighs> it is what it is. Finger trouble! Yeah, the worst kind of trouble. Um, but, yeah, that's the impression I get about Haas. Should we move down a little bit to Force India next in the Constructors list? Yes, let's move to the team based in Northampton. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, uh, this space for rent, um, based in Northamptonshire. Um, what do we know about this team? Well, they have a consortium of new owners with Lawrence Stroll. Oh, they have Mercedes power plants, um, and they have two open seats for next year. One of which is more than likely going to be Lance Stroll going from Williams to Force India. The other, shrug. It's. It's Shrug. it's looking like Esteban Ocon might be sacrificed to the great god Emotep here. No, no. Oh. I I think I think you're you're looking at this from oh. the wrong angle. Um, what does what does every team need, Dre? If they don't build it, there if they don't build it themselves, they have to buy it from someone else. Uh, Snapple. Engines. Ah. Yeah. Ah. Engines. That is that is something that every team needs, um, and also Force India still owes Mercedes for for this year's power units. So and are you are you implying that Checo might be sacrificed here? Yes, yes. Woo boy, Checo, yeah, the is... basically the king of the midfielders. Yeah, the man who basically accounts for like most, if not all, of Force India's podiums. Say for Giancarlo Fisichella, Spa 2009 race that still deeply cuts in my soul, but that's another story for another time. Yeah, um, a, a man that has course. eight career podiums in his F1 run to date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's strange to think that like between Sergio Perez and Esteban Ocon, one of them's got to go. <laughs> that is now, a shit. That is a shit deal for Force India because yeah. they're both excellent drivers. Now let's uh now let's uh let's cut right to the chase here. I don't think that Lance Stroll is as bad as people make out him out to be. No. He's not doing much with that Mercedes. I don't think anybody is. If Robert Kubitz is not doing much with it, then you know a younger driver is going to struggle. But if he takes a move up to the team based in Northamptonshire, then this is really his litmus test because now he's at a new team in new surroundings and a car that's much more reasonably competitive at this stage. This is where we'll start to see if Lance Stroll is as good as he was in as good as he was said to be advertised when he was rocketing up the junior ladder, or if he is gonna be, you know, as bad as people make him out to be. And I feel like he's gonna fall somewhere in the middle, and that's still probably not good enough. If he doesn't do big things at force it at excuse me, uh, the team for the constructors formerly known as Jordan. <laughs> I believe. I believe. I, yeah, I, I see what you did there. Because, the artists yes. formerly known um, as Force India. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Um, if I'm if I'm Force India, I'm thinking a lineup of Esteban Ocon and Lance Stroll, two European F3 champions with big big potential. Ocon probably much bigger than Stroll's at this point. Um, that's a good team. And if they go with Perez and Stroll, hey, you've still got a little more cash in your pocket, and that's still a good team with a veteran driver in Perez, who's in his eighth season. 
God, that feels like yesterday when he was debuting for Salba. Holy shit. Jesus, I'm old. <laughs> Again, he debuted at 19. He's now bloody 28. Check over. He's just, mu- he's just months old. He's just months younger than me. This is, this is terrifying. But um, here's how I look at it. Like, here's the thing. Like, here's the thing. I actually quite like Lance Stroll as a talent. The problem is, I think there's a lot of people that want him to fail. He's not very well liked in, in the paddock and by fans for whatever reason, you know, um, from his... Ass- some of it conjecture. Yeah. Some of it, you know, you know, he does have attitude problems. He does. what teenager does. Yeah. What teenager doesn't. Exactly. Some of it is conjecture. Some of it is very real. He's, 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 he's a uh, Giants fan. Is- what do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, no, that's the thing, right? Like, of course, he's going to have the rich daddy reputation that a lot of F1 fans can't stand by default. It's fucking F1, and they're all rich as fuck. But, um, no, on top of that, it's also just the nature of just the fact that I I think people don't like his attitude. And, yeah, like, Felipe Massa, who nobody says anything bad about Felipe Massa on the internet these days, he kind of sort of hinted at the fact that Stroll wasn't really a team player and Massa apparently was doing quote unquote everything to help that dude out and uh, apparently it wasn't reciprocated make of that what you will but um, Stroll without doubt though I agree with RJ he's definitely got something to prove out there Um, he's not had the car to really prove how good he can be Williams is probably the worst team in the field right now Actually, it's not probably. They are the worst team in the field right now, without question. But, you know, Force India is a fresh start. They're always a good team. They're going to give him a solid car because that's what Force India does. They're never down for long, no matter how hard the struggle. But um, that's what the best pound-for-pound team in F1 does, at least in my humble opinion. But as as says, I think it's going to be a great litmus test to see how he goes up against Lava Checo, who, again, as, as I mentioned, is probably the king of the midfielders at this point. And... Uh, or Esteban Ocon, who has got that consistency that a lot of top teams love already about such a talented young driver at only 22, you know? So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out either way, but my God, if either one of these two ends up out of F1 as a result of Lance Stroll, people yeah, are going to be pissed. That's going to hurt. <laughs> that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt me, and I like all three drivers. This is why we need three three car teams. This is actually <laughs> not why we need three car teams. No, I'm just being I'm just I'm just being cranky. Definitely, definitely. Um, moving down the field a little bit more. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of um, British m- midfielders that are punching well above their weight in their budget, let's go to McLaren. Oh. <laughs> Where? <laughs> so, we now know Fernando Alonso has left an empty seat. Stoffel Van Dorn is wavy, but with Alonso gone, it's probably fair to say he's got a much better chance of sticking around now. Um, the question is, who takes Alonso's seat? Like, Lando Norris is probably favourite here, but it's looking like Zach Brown might go for... Someone a bit more experienced. Um, Carlos Sainz's name has been mentioned a lot um, as a potential guy. I mean, Zach Brown himself said last week, you know, he's very high up the list if they have a seat available. Zach definitely has a seat available. He probably knew that going in when he made those comments. <laughs> so, 
is it time to pull the trigger on Carlos Sainz and have, you know, I think Sainz and Van Dorn is a very formidable team on paper. Yes. <laughs> yes, go for it. I'm, listen, I'm the advocate. I'm the advocate of youth and potential. Um, Van Dorn and Sainz, that's going to be a good, good team. And of course, it work, plays out for Sainz, who can be this home, then be the hand picked uh, Spanish successor to Fernando Alonso, whose hair is every bit as good and whose talent is every bit mm-hmm. as uh, every bit is there. Definitely, uh, King. What do you make of the situation? Oh, yeah. It. Oh, like yeah. It, it feels like they're going to retain Stoffel Van Doren. Uh, it it seemed. I would. It it feels like they're definitely leaning towards signs if signs is available. Mm-hmm. It feels like the. Uh, the last like the the backup plan for McLaren if they can't get anyone else is Lando Norris, and when Lando Norris is your backup, you're you're. Oh safe. no! What a problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> Lando Norris, you know, Formula Two Championship leader. Um, <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, it's a it's a hell of a plan B, isn't it? Jeez. Um, Lando's come out and said he's willing to wait. He's 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 patient. He's he's not pushing hard to get an F one seat right away. He's not in a hurry. So, and McLaren, they did. S- you say that. You say that, mm. and and he's just like blowing up McLaren's methods. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me. We all know that. Like, like, I, I knew that was PR talk from the get-go. Like, Lando, Lando wants yeah. that seat. Like, the, the, like, he's just the right level of teenage immaturity to know exactly what the fuck he's doing. Like, he, like, he wants that seat. Like, like, make no mistake. He absolutely wants that seat. Um, I don't, I don't care what he says to the media. Um, he doesn't turn nineteen years old until November. Right, and. The thing is, though, McLaren slow-rolled the crap out of Van Dorn, too. Like, they, they could yeah. have ran Van Dorn two they, years oh, earlier. They, they, almost over, they almost overcooked Van Dorn. They did. Like, he didn't need to go to Superforman for that year. He was ready to go, like, a year and a half prior. Like, but they did, because McLaren were going for the win-now strategy of get, you know, getting Alonso and Button together and just basically having a really great lineup, but a car that was nowhere near good enough. Also, we got the image that every McLaren fan wanted to see. That was McLaren uh, driver Stoffel Van Dorn winning races in a white and red Honda-powered Super Formula car. Of course! You know, just like everybody envisioned when the McLaren Honda revival was first announced. <laughs> Hope. It's a bitch, ain't it? Uh, <laughs> so, what are we thinking here? Are we thinking Carlos signs alongside Stoffel Van Dorn, or are they going to pull the trigger on Norris early? I wonder. That, that, that would be the best. Van Doren is, as Fernando Alonso has said, he's a lot better than his form book has indicated. Uh, And Carlos Sainz, also much better than his recent form book has indicated, given that Nico Hulkenberg is still really, really good at this driving thing. A lot better than the internet gives him credit for half the time. But, uh, yeah, I'm thinking signs. I'm thinking signs and Van Dorn. It makes sense. You'll you'll retain a lot of your Spanish fans by bringing Carlos signs over as well because all the Alonso fans love love Carlos signs by proxy. He's basically Fernando's little brother at this point. Um, So, you know, 
a little bit of cross culture didn't hurt anybody. So I'm thinking signs in Van Dorn, uh, personally. I mean, I, I just hope they give Van Dorn a card that's worth half a damn because uh, he's far too happy right now dating the boss's daughter and backflipping now the one roadblock in his team is now gone. So, uh, yeah, Stoffel, who's doing the Colton dance as we speak, um, get that man a decent car for next year, please. Okay, thanks. Um, so, moving down a bit further. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, let's uh let's stumble into this. Oh mess. lord, is, is this what I think it is? It's Scuderia Toro Rosso. Oh Christ! Kanye. So um, they have no one. Where do we start? Where do we? Start? They have no one. That's where we fucking start. They have no one. Like this is the most minority shit that Toro. Yeah, <laughs> you said that there's nothing left of the old team for Fianza. I disagree. Because here's the problem. Their main prospect left who's not in F1 is Dan Tictum. Even if he wins the title this year, he will not have the required super license points to be in Formula 1. So he is a stopgap till is at least... 2020. Going to be till 2020, 2021, at the very latest, before he gets an F1 drive. Like, the logical play, which you brought up two weeks ago would be to see if they can get Alex Albon back, who probably will be eligible yeah. by the end of this Formula 2 season, given he's in a yes. high ranking. Yes. I think he's third right now in the Formula 2 championship standings, uh, which is a... Third behind Ru third behind Russell and... Morris. Which is a healthy amount of points. Every <laughs> yeah. So, that could be the play. Um, I mean... By all accounts, it looks like it looks like they're going to clear the decks. I don't think Gasly's going to be there next year, unless they do pull yeah. unless they do pull the buyback clause on Carlos Sainz. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, and that's and that's not what Carlos Sainz needs this stage of his career. Like, oh, I'm going to go from a I'm going to go from the uh, I'm going to go back from uh, from this factory team, and instead of going to McLaren, I'm going to go back to the Red Bull Junior team. Right now, I'm definitely never going to match up with Max Verstappen because he wants doesn't want me here. No, no. Um, Gasly, Gasly is going up to Red Bull. Science is going back to uh, to McLaren, and that means that. Uh, they, they, am I right in saying that they might just have to be like, "Hey, Brandon, just stay another year, please." No, no, no. I I think it's telling if you see what the relationship between Honda and Red Bull is, the fact that uh, Tarasa will remain uh, the the Honda factory team, at least at least in terms of how the FIA sees it. On a technicality! Th That's the same yeah. technicality to why BMW Sauber Ferrari was still BMW Sauber Ferrari even after, Ferrari, after BMW left. Well, that's also partially due to the whole agreement on the Red Bull's team name. The fact that they, the fact that they're Aston Martin, yeah, Red like Bull, the, Honda. Technically speaking, they're Aston Martin Tag Heuer power units. Who would have thought the watchmakers could make such good power units? And, but um, um, they have no one else though. Chances Lando nor, chances Lando gets loaned out because I know that we're talking about like no, no, I don't see it happening. I don't see McLaren loaning Lando to another F one. Why? Team. For what? Especially For who? <laughs> 
Yeah, especially, like, look how well the Carlos Sainz loan deal is going on. <laughs> like, Yeah, not the, not the best ideal situation for Carlos at the moment when he's getting beaten by Oldenburg. Because that's, that's yeah, also, the problem with loans in F1, because at a certain point in time, we're going to end up with three drive, like three Formula One drivers and two seats. Yeah. And re- like, yeah. And also, and also at some point, um, just like uh, Mercedes in 1993, they didn't get Michael Schumacher back. No. Not for a while. Well, uh, that was largely due to mer- the like Mercedes shuttering the young driver program and then Schumacher pay driving, pay driving his way into F1, him staying in F1 and then them reopening up the Mercedes project and he's gone. And didn't want to play with Ron. Yeah. Um, God, what? I don't know what's going to happen with that. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is this is the biggest crapshoot to predict on the grid by a country fucking mile. Like they might have to try and beg Brendan Hartley to stick around for another year, even though I think he'll end up in IndyCar yeah. because like Hartley is the only solid dude they have left. Who like if Gasly goes to Red Bull, they have nothing. They have literally nothing left. <laughs> like and they're gonna and if they have nothing left that means they're literally gonna have to beg a dude who they beg to come back into the program to stay another year while they beg another dude that they let go <laughs> the program to come back the following year if they got nothing if i'm franz tossed i'm putting out what's left of my hair because this is just like, like this, this is red bull literally scraping out the bottom of the barrel here and that's is sebastian Buemi available by chance <laughs> He'll be too busy enjoying the fruits of his new Nissan-related labor. Um, yeah, you're right. You're right. There's no way he's walking away from that shit. Like, is is there is there any Honda Junior that's ready? No, Nirai Fukuzumi and Sadasuke <laughs> Makino don't have the requisite license points. Oh my god! And the way Nobuharu Matsushita is doing in a Super Formula drive that was supposed to get him over the top while sidestepping away from F2. That ain't gonna happen either. Um, sorry, I mean, like, me abandoning him out of my team of guys for the Centennial Cup has only done him harm. I sincerely apologize, Matthew Sheets. I'm really sorry. <laughs> so, basically, what I'm getting from this story is they burned down the entire Driver Academy for Max Verstappen. What did, what did I tell you? And now, they have, you? now they have no one except Max Verstappen. I told you, they're all in. When I said they were all in on Max, I wasn't joking. They really are all in on Max. They they literally have no one else. Like I said, Dan Tictum is at least a year away. They, they've got to beg Brendan Hartley to stay. Like, you know, the guy they've given shit cars to and basically tried to run him off the team halfway through the year, they're now going to be begging to keep him. And again, like Alex Albon is the most logical play here, and there's no guarantee he'll come back to the factory that dumped him. So, you know, Toro Rosso is a shit show, and that's it's mostly Red Bull's fault that it's a shit show because again, they're not doing a bad job. All things considered, given it's the first year of them running Honda power units, and Gasly's been fantastic this year on occasions. And Carlo Minardi and Paul Stoddart would be very proud. Yes, yes, they would. <laughs> so, good luck if, if you guys can figure that one out. Email the show. I'd love to hear your suggestions. Um, <laughs> Dre at motorsport101.com. I'd love to hear it. Um, Sauber. Yeah. Ninth on the you board. Know, comparatively south, safe, 
uh, a team on the rise. Things we definitely predicted going into 2018. Of course. We thought they'd be stone um, dead yeah. lost and they have 18 points. Um, you did, you, do you think they? Do you think they? Ha, did they think? Do you think they retain? I think they do. I don't. I yes, don't see it. Yes. Like Marcus Erickson is extremely well funded, and he's not terrible. That kind of helps. Yeah. Not only extremely well funded, uh, the people who fund him still technically own the team. Yeah. He's moving. He's moving the Mendoza line up. He's moving that Erickson line up. Yep. And yep. yeah, another guy that's going to be in the hundred race club next season. <laughs> Who would have thought of that when he joined catering in 2012? <laughs> no one. No one. That's, no one. that's just it. That's just the. Uh, that's just a testament to that. Uh, to that all Japan Formula Three championship background that Ericsson brings to the. Of table. course, <laughs> that's totally what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think they retain. I think this one's pretty straightforward. Like I said, we mentioned Charles Leclerc before. King, what was your theory about Charles Leclerc staying? Uh, largely down to the fact that. Uh, FCA are pumping more, well, m enough money into uh, Sabre that Sabre feel comfortable expanding the staff that they're going to have for Neat. next year. And as Gary Anderson pointed out for Autosport, they are by a mile the most improved team in the field this season. Apparently they are a second a lap, relatively speaking, faster than last year, which is incredible for a team that we thought was on the brink at one point. Um, lost Manisha Kelton yeah. one of them. They went yeah. from being uh, they went from being Ferrari's B team to not being Ferrari's B team to now they're Ferrari's B team again. Funny how that turned out, isn't it? <laughs> but now they're regular point scorers now, and they're actually good. And Charles Leclerc is a really exciting talent, probably the most exciting talent we've seen in F1 for years. So. And that's great to see. I think Sabo retained. Like, they're in a really good place at the moment, which is amazing given that we thought this team was destined for the scrap heap six months ago. Um, so, the fact they are where they are now, Leclerc is scoring points on a, on a regular basis now. Marcus Erickson has been far from bad um, by any stretch. And again, his, his, his backers basically run the team at this point. I don't see any reason why they change. Um, I think they're going to retain their main two. Um, it's a good team. And, you know, if the car gets any better, Charles Leclerc is going to put in some top sixes, and that's going to be friggin' insane to watch because the guy is extremely Hell talented. Hell yeah. And, God, yeah, that sounds good. It does sound great. That one's relatively straightforward. Williams. <sighs> Williams, there's space for rent racing. Oh, Lord. No Martini next year. We know that. No Probably Martini. no Lance so, Stroll. What's <laughs> no? Yeah, because man, what what must have been the feeling when pretty much Lance Stroll? Hey, now I'm backed by Bombardier, which is like the third largest aircraft manufacturer oh. in the world. And then the next week, hey, my dad is a part of this uh, consortium who bought Force India. Like, just like the turn. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine um, all the colour just slowly draining from Claire Williams' face. It's not a good scene. Um, so, so, so it's like something out of a horror movie. And uh, Williams have already been in the shitter this year, to say the least. And and uh, you know, four points. Only one car's been in the points out of twenty-four this season. That was Lance Stroll's eighth place in Baku. Cars are drivable. 
cars aren't drivable. You know, the you know, Lance Stroll's frustrated. Sorokin's put money in, but there's no guarantee he's going to stick around either. Um, Stroll is probably out. Claire said to Jenny Gao last week that, you know, they have a plan to survive even if Lance Stroll goes. But with no title sponsor for next year, half their funding gone in Lance Stroll, probably going to Force India. Where the hell does this team go from here? They look to seek a Mercedes customer deal, and that brings in one of the things that might be something to look forward to to 2019 because guess who's a Mercedes-affiliated junior? Esteban Ocon. I was thinking somebody who was uh, who was uh, just a step below. Oh, Russell Terrier. Yes, George Russell, who currently leads the Formula Two Championship. Um, if he gets if he gets the championship, obviously he can't come back to Formula Two. And if Mercedes and Williams come to some sort of deal to you know help out, help get get struggling Williams back off the ground again. Um, then it'll probably come with George Russell in one of those cars. And what the hell did they do with the second one in that case? I think they retain. I, I think not only do they retain Sergey uh, Sorotkin, uh, I think it might be Williams SMP racing next year because SMP Bank have always wanted a Formula One team. I think this is the best thing that they're going to get. Ooh. Title sponsorship, Sorotkin and George Russell. Could be worse. Could be worse. I mean, we worse. saw the testing shots of the uh, Hungaroring. I'm just thinking, man, Williams should just go art car with this next year. <laughs> sure, why not? You know? Gotta do something <laughs> with that advertising space. True, true. But, uh... Yeah, I wonder what Williams' Earth dreams would look like. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, the painful memories. <laughs> oh, man. Um, right. That team is a hot mess, and even with George Russell and discounted engines, it's probably still a hot mess. But hey, at least Sorokin's given them all gold chains because you know, that, that's what that's what we that's what we're here for in F one: gold chains and leather. Um, yeah, I want to drive for, like yeah. Well, Williams at least will be popular when F one twenty eighteen comes out next week. Because <laughs> they'll be, yeah, that's weird. The basement team's always the most popular team. Good luck, Damn, right. good luck with that team, Ben. Um, have fun with that. Um, <laughs> but uh, that is pretty much our rundown. So, one more time, we reckon Raikkonen stays at Ferrari. We we, we reckon Gasly to Red Bull, probably yeah, alongside. Yeah, Red Bull sounds like a safe bet. Yeah, so we go down a little bit further. We, we know, obviously, Renault's got Ricardo and Hulkenberg. Haas probably going to retain, I reckon. Um, it's either they retain or they go with Magnussen or Giovinazzi. I think I think, I think they retain, personally. I think I think they'll give Grosjean another year, because I don't think there's going to be anyone better than him for the time being that's easily accessible. Um, um, I, I, I force, force India. Force Canada. Yeah. I f- <laughs> Bombardier Force Canada. <laughs> Stroll and dare I say it, Esteban Ocon. Yeah. Uh, so, in other words, by the way we're looking at it, Checo won't be on the grid next year. Yep, Checo probably won't be here. What the fuck? <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, McLaren looks like Van Dorn and Signs. I think we can all agree with that. Yeah. Um, Toro Rosso, you can just post a picture of um, 
of just, you know, um, various shrugging gifts, because that's where we're at. It's probably going to be Hartley and Albon. Um, Salfa Bermeo retains Leclerc and Erickson, and Williams probably goes with Sorotkin and Russell. No room at the end for Sergio Perez. Good no lord. No room at the end for Lando Norris. Fair. That one's not quite so surprising, but... Uh, he's, he's got, got time. time. He's, he's, he's 18 for fuck's sake. He's, not, he's going nowhere. Um, <laughs> who's, ready for, who's ready for Lando Norris and Super Formula with Tom's baby? Yep. As, <laughs> as, just me? Just me. Yeah, as, as Black and Mar points out on our Discord, it's amazing that Sergio Perez tried to save the team and he's the one that could be out of a seat next year. F1 is a bastard. <laughs> it really is. Um, for that, yeah, that that cryptic, depressing Instagram story. Yeah, maybe there's a deeper meaning to it. We'll see as time goes on. So uh, obviously, yeah. we'll keep it posted right here on M101 with any driver changes. Should we go across the pond? Right. <sighs> Lightning round. IndyCar. Scott Ditson back. Yay! With Ganassi. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in fairness, he he deserves to finish out his career with the team. What was he gonna go with McLaren? No, he he's been there what sixteen years now, Dixon. I want to say sixteen. Yeah, next yeah next year would be his sixteenth season. Good God! <laughs> and apparently, it's a multi-year deal according to IndyCar's own yeah. website. It's a, as it should be because Dixon could win championships into his elite. 40s. Oh god, yeah, he's more than good. You don't need to convince anybody here about Scott Dixon's ability. The man is a genius. Um, one of the best drivers on the planet, period. Um, and yeah, like it, it's a no-brainer. Chip, he and Chip go way back. That is arguably the strongest driver and team partnership in IndyCar right now. Why wouldn't you keep Scott Dixon if you had the chance? Um, so, yeah, that sounds like a fun time for everybody involved. Uh, and everyone in IndyCast panic just goes, ah, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now there's, um, so now there's speculation of what happens to the 10 car, which now belongs to Ed Jones. Do they keep Ed Jones? Do they bring in somebody else like an aforementioned Brendan Hartley or an, or a Felix Rosenquist who's been linked to this series for what seems like 12 years. Driver for hire. Driver for hire. Driver for hire. Let's go. We have him. He's ours. <laughs> we want him. We want Felix in IndyCar. No. <laughs> yes. No. He's, he looks so good in Waco's blue and pink. He looks even better in blue number 10. <sighs> oh, 10's a cool oh, number. It's right. Felix time. So is, so is Sit. King, back me um, up on this one. <laughs> <laughs> It's t- oh dear! I'll, I'll let you guys just play this out. It's time for driver for hire. It's time he got a proper seat with a proper team. Chip Ganassi, whenever they cut to him on the pit bots, is not going to make silly poses on the team wall like Juichi Wakasaka is going to do. That's why Felix Rosenquist should stay. He doesn't have to do all the driving. But RJ, he's probably going to go to injury. He's probably going to go to IndyCar, and that's going to be great. <laughs> if you can bring that Sonoka sponsorship from a uh, from his one year in Super Formula, even better. Oh, I, I need more fluorescent yellow on the grid. K thanks. Bye. Um, yes, I, 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 I am Team Felix. I want driver for hire on the grid next year. It's been too long. I want Felix Rosenquest in a series I give a shit about. Um, sorry, Formidary, but uh, <laughs> but I, I, it's time driver for hire gets his due. He's good in esports races, as we proved in Vegas. It's time for him to move on. From that bad second half of the year of Mahindra last year, it's time for Felix in the 10 car. 
If not, Brendan Hartley will suffice. Um, so, um, we also have uh, news that Connor Daly is going to get another drive in the Harding 88 card. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wasn't the plan here that they were going to rotate dudes in and out to try and yeah. test the water for a second car? What are you doing bringing Connor Daly in three times over? Like, I'd like to think that Connor Daly is a known entity at this point. Like, <laughs> like the, and, and the known entity is basically does really well if he's off strategy. Nah, uh, yeah. nah, nah, nah. They got they got to run him on an oval. They got to run him. On an oval. What? Uh, okay. They just they got to be they got a hundred percent certain. There needs to be even if there's a one percent chance he might not be the guy. They're like. They just don't feel that King, confident. You do yet. realize he's probably gonna end up like three laps down, don't you? <laughs> yep. Maybe they're gonna just be like, "See, Connor, see, see." <laughs> yeah. Give Zachary Clackery um, to Macquarie what? another call, for God's sake! Somebody buy yeah, his that shoes. Was one of this. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, thousand. Well, at least one Montreal teenager is going rideless in IndyCar because you have not bought enough ZCD Senna's. This is uncompensated uh, advertisement here on Motorsport 101. Of course. That's what we're here for, people. Um, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Lance Stroll doesn't ask for you to buy stuff. Yeah. It's just over-expensive shoes, King. No one on here does that, right? Oh. <laughs> uh, shit. Um... <laughs> You didn't ask me, anybody. It, it, it didn't come from me. But yes, Connor Daly will be fitted in at Pocono last minute. There was a lot of talk that Sage Karam might have gotten that seat. Um, but it looks like Daly's been called up at the 11th hour to uh, to run in the 88 car for the third time this year. I wonder who's going to get that second Harding seat for next year. Any suggestions? Don't say Connor Daly. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's more than likely based on our based on our what we know from uh, most recently from Racer.com's Marshall Pruitt that at least one of the seats is going to a Andretti Autosport-backed young driver, see Colton Herta, see also Patricio O'Ward. Either one of those would be a good pick, and they're both ready. Oh, gotcha. No question. But uh, that, that could be fun. That could be really fun. Now, honestly, I'm not sure about any of the other seats in question. Have you guys read up anything on, on this regarding IndyCar? Apparently, Marco is on Ed Carpenter's radar per the same uh, for the same latest update from uh, from Big Banter Marshall. Yeah, because the rumor is that Ed Carpenter Racing is going to expand the two full time cars with a third car part time only for Ed on ovals. Thank God. So Ed, <laughs> yeah. So Ed's gonna. So Ed's finally gonna let the kids play on their own. Which is good. About goddamn time. Un Uncle Led out here, like, like crushing Spencer Piggott's career for far too long. <laughs> good, good, good boy, Ed. He's, he's realized it's time to give to give the young'uns a go. But, Marco? Uh, really? That, yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, he's dependable at least. And dependable for 10th places. <laughs> reinforce that all-American super team idea. Um, and also... Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan might do something crazy. Uh, who knows? They've they probably got a third open seat. Who knows what they're going to do with that? Mm. Um, I'm just very excited slash anxious about the stretch run of the title. Mm. Starting this yeah. week at Pocono. You yeah, boy. It's a tricky triangle. Yeah, I know. Our, our, our friend oh, of the show, Sarah Connors, is going to be down there with a broken toe. Get well soon, Sarah. Uh, 
<laughs> oh my god! Oh, I saw the X-ray. That is a cra- that was a crack. That was a <laughs> that was a cl- that was a clean break, break across the middle. I was like, that that, that takes some doing. Out of girl corners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, we got back to back oval races all in a span of six days. Pocono on the nineteenth of August. The Bomberino Automotive Group Five Hundred presented by Valvoline Gateway Motorsports Park in suburban St. Louis on the twenty fifth. And then back to well, back. Well, the, uh, the, you gotta mention the 101st lap brought to you by yes, Motorsport 101. Yes, we haven't, yeah, we haven't mentioned race. this yet. We're sponsoring a lap of that race. <laughs> we, oh my god. I wish it was a joke, but if you were at the event, you could buy a program and it'll, it'll, have, it'll have lap 101. Anybody that's going <laughs> yeah, to Gateway, can you please bring me back a program? I will pay the shipping. I need to see this. See? Like... See, that's why the why the Gateway Motorsports Park event is the most must see race of the year because we're sponsoring a lap of it. We're sponsoring we're sponsoring part of this. We're race. sponsoring lap one hundred and one of this race. See, this is where all your Patreon money is going here, kids. <laughs> <laughs> to really niche sponsorships. Yes, we're out here plugging our shit literally during IndyCar we are races. The one in one hundred and one. Yes, two hundred and forty. Yes. Oh this is what God. you're all here for. That'd be like, for, first, there was one lap to go brought to you by Credit One Bank. Now it's lap 101 brought to you by Motorsport 101. See, kids, this is how you know your money isn't going to waste. We're not spending it on Snapple or improvements to the show or more hangouts. No, we're sponsoring IndyCar races. This is us, everybody. I'm your new king. If you can't see it right now, I've got my arms aloft in the air like John Oliver when he was playing fire out underneath his desk. It's great. <laughs> we are drunk with power. So, yes, Gateway coming up next week. Uh, so, if you're down there, keep an eye out for lap 101. If, if it's in the race program, please send us a picture. I would love to see this. Like, some, like if anyone's going to Gateway, please get in touch. I would love to hear about this. Um, so... Check that out if you haven't already, um, basically. Um, so, that should be fun for all involved. Um, what have we got after that case? Isn't it Portland after that? Yeah, we got Portland and Sonoma after that. Portland on September 2nd, Labor Day weekend, and the Grand Prix of Sonoma. Perhaps the final one on the 16th of September. God, we're almost done already. We're like we're a month away from the end of the season already. Jesus, they're packing in the stretch run in just like a month. Oh. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's thick. Um, it, it's very thick. Um, Predictions for Pocono? I think we'll power. Like a seven watt, we'll get another seven wide <laughs> pass down the front stretch. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> How many is that? <laughs> I, I think we'll power. I think Will. I think didn't Will win here last year? And you know, I I, I think Will is like who's I think now might be the best oval runner in the paddock on a consistent basis. Yeah. Um, Power won it last year. He's a strong pick. I'm also I'm also something about this race, and I don't know if it's the presence of friend of the show Sarah Connors, but I'm thinking it's Rossi who wins it two in a row. Sure, why not? Yeah, it's it's. You know, I think it's that second time of year where all the great super speedway runners get to show and what they got. tend to be really good around them, so, you know, why not? Also, also Ryan Hunter-Ray in a pinch. Oh, gotcha. 
Oh, god, yeah. Like, if the, if the car runs well, Hunter Ray will run well. Uh, it's a super speedway, I'd expect no less. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm here for all of that. And, yeah, that should be a great race, I think, yeah, this Sunday. Uh, and, again, like, we've only got four races to go. It's Dixon's title to really lose. But, hey, double points on the last round. You never know, right? That's the... You never know. You never That's know. the fun part of it, indeed. Anything else you guys want to plug before we get out of Dodge? No. Mm. No. Nah, I think we're good. There, there wasn't a com there wasn't a combo oh, sale today. Bugger! He actually has nice caps, <laughs> Nando. I'm, I'm actually quite annoyed by that. Um, he does have good caps. He really does. Especially given that you know Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton doesn't run flat caps anymore of the Hamilton special stuff because Hamilton doesn't wear flat caps anymore. Bastards! This <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. People were buying that shit like crazy, okay? And you still sell his white cap as a flat brim on your website. Bring back the fucking flat caps, Mercedes. I will not let this go, okay? I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted a pink yeah, cap. I see. wanted a pink Mercedes yeah, cap. They're very pretty. It's peach colored. What's that? It's Lewis Ham Lewis Hamilton doing his own rendition of like Curry Three Lows. <sighs> You mean the dad shoes? Because only, only, only dads yes. buy Under Armors, apart from me. Yes. <laughs> only dads wear Under Armors and wear um, and wear uh, not flat bill caps. To be days. fair, it's like if there was ever a meme for Lewis Hamilton and fashion, it would be him wearing a pair of the white curry two lows. That would be, that would be the most Lewis Hamilton thing of all time. Like. <laughs> that oh, that would be a thing. Mercs, bring back your goddamn flat caps, okay? I will hunt you down, okay? You've ruined a great collecting hobby for me because I loved collecting those Hamilton caps. They were great. And they have Gran Turismo down the side now because Hamilton's an ambassador for GT Sport and it makes it even more annoying. <sighs> I like pink. I wanted a pink Hamilton cap. They're cool. He has great merch. It's really frustrating. Yeah. Sigh. Listen, listen, people think I don't like Hamilton. He's in my fucking avatar with a Mercedes cap on his head. What more do you need from me? Rant over. <laughs> shall, we, shall we get out of here? I think we should get out of here. <laughs> Places you can find us one more time. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. A ton of content coming up very soon. Trust me on this one. By the time this goes up, you'll probably see an Alex Marquez video up there. It's a fun time for all involved. Me and Lewis Sutterby on Bike Live. All the fun stuff there. Um, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. At Harrison 101 HD. At Ryan Eric King. At RJ O'Connell. Our personal handles are the latter three there. Uh, and of course, you can back us financially on Patreon if you really like us. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and Bike Live, which is back this weekend. Episode 73. Ironically, the Alex Marquez numbered episode. How about that? 73. Reviewing all the action from a brilliant weekend in Austria at the Red Bull win. Moto3, Jorge Martin pulls off a superhuman performance to finish in second just six days after surgery on a broken wrist as he and Marco Bezzecchi went to war uh, for the Moto3 race in that one. One of the fights of the year in Moto2. If you have not seen this yet, go out of your way via totally legal means, of course, to find this Moto2 race. The fight between Peco Bagnaia and Miguel Oliveira at the front. A wonderful, wonderful display of bike riding. And from, a, from terms of technical skill, one of the best fights I have 
ever seen. Those two are going to be spectacularly good Moto2, MotoGP riders one day. I guarantee you that. Miguel is a talent and Francisco Bagnar is going to kill it at Pramac next year. I am dead certain on that. One of the fights of the year, if not maybe a race of the year can contender across the board it was a brilliant exhibition of riding from those two go out of your way to see if you haven't already and of course moto gp and it says on my sheets jorge lorenzo won Wait, what do you mean jorge lorenzo won again um yes Jorge Lorenzo, and again, another brilliant dogfight between him and Mark Marquez at the ring. Marquez must be suffering like deja vu and flashbacks of getting beaten over the line by a Ducati. He must be getting really frustrating for him at this point. But uh, another oh, brilliant dogfight between Jorge Lorenzo and Mark Marquez, who again would go to war in Austria. A fantastic race. Again, another one you really should want to see. The whole final lap is up on MotoGP's Twitter for free. You have no excuse. Um, so all of that from all of that from Austria and a preview to World Superbikes. There's a lot of political drama going on down there right now. They could be losing the Donington round very soon. Uh, so yeah, a lot going on with them. So keep half an eye on that. It's going to be a, st a stacked bike live. Episode 73 out later this weekend. So check it out if you haven't already. And don't forget, back us at $10, you can get into our Discord server where you can chat with me. It really isn't worth the money. But do it anyway because, you know, it's fun. Uh, and you can listen to these shows <laughs> live as they go out. Just like Black and Wild is doing right now. I'm Brian Glennon. Hey, guys. Hope you, hope you enjoyed the show. Um, until next time, I'll be back next week. As always, I've been Harrison 901. God, that's a, that's a, that's a throwback. I don't normally come out with, with, the, with the old nickname. Uh, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Ryan King and RJ O'Connell. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. You are the world champion! We haven't got an end of an episode joke this week, have we? <laughs> nah. Unless Pocono decides at the last second that they're going to start allowing lap sponsorships. Come on, every IndyCar oval needs lap sponsorships. I'm not sure the, the Motorsport 101 piggy bank stretches that far. <laughs> no, but it can get there with enough. Uh, it can get there with enough J patron backing. I think. I think we've really mm. got a good chance. Um, I think we. Uh, I think we also uh, we need to consult Race Al 9000 with this one. Um, from July 27th, 500 laps, 400 miles. Exactly 100 dick and fart jokes. Neo Pocono is about to explode! <laughs> oh my god.